0: We are back. Whispers of genius. <laughs> echoes of madness. So happy to be back. Good afternoon, all.
1: Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How
0: fantastic. <laughs> so good feedback for the show so far. People like it, so we keep doing it?
1: I guess so. Yep. I guess we keep going. We keep People we keep are loving going. it. Give them what they want. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give them what they want. More, more talk, 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 talk. I see uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that is killing it. Thank you, everyone who shares. Thank you so much for um, for reading and sharing this stuff. If it resonates with you, it's going to resonate with someone else. And I think that's the best way to, to spread the word and the best way to say thank you. While I love all the thank you messages I get and I'm going to continue to answer them all, uh, also one of the best ways you can thank me and the team here is to just share it. You know, Click the share button. Uh, Twitter doesn't have a share button, but they have uh, other ways you can share or tag and that kind of stuff. um, um and Instagram, same thing, right? You Mm -hmm. just share, tag other people in it. Let people know that we're around, let people know that we share insight, wisdom for the past few decades now. I refuse to think I'm getting this old, but I'm getting this old. (laughs) I I wrote something the other day that the blue book, the first book Mm -hmm. is on its 20th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. How could that be if I'm only 25, (laughs) man? Wow. (laughs) 25, age is a number, man. Here's the thing. (laughs) here's the thing everything keeps spinning and keep getting older but i am i'm really honored that at those raw moments at those raw moments um if you're honest and you and you you bleed on paper that way it it transcends time it mm-hmm. really does and, and it really resonates and I, I feel like a lot of times you're kind of rewriting ancient wisdom because whoever wrote that transcended time <laughs> and even if you read like marcus Aurelius stuff which is which is brilliant. You can go back a thousand years before that, and someone else wrote something of similar essence. And again, I think that you you reach these points in your life where you kind of get on this certain frequency or wave or mindset, whatever it is, whatever the code is that gets you locked into that feeling, and when we read something that resonates with that, when puts to word, puts to word something that we've been feeling, you know, makes it makes it material in that sense. I think it, it's really helpful. So if it helps you, it's probably going to help somebody else. There are a lot of people on this earth and I'm realizing it more and more every day when I get messages from places I've literally never heard of. Um, it's it's absolutely mm-hmm. humbling and inspiring to know that this is what we're doing. So thank you, everybody. Uh, please leave a five-star rating right on iTunes or wherever you listen. It helps other people find this podcast and uh, and again, we'll keep doing it as long as you keep liking it. But our numbers are growing and growing and people are sharing and sharing. So I'll keep talking <laughs> and talking. <laughs> That's the way that goes. What do we got today, Steph?
1: We got a lot of great stuff today. I was just wondering, when, when inspiration, motivation, these like wisdom that comes to you, you ever feel like you just breathed in Marcus Aurelius or... <laughs> Sometimes
0: I used to think that way. Uh, when I, I think that... You go through phases, or at least I did. I went through phases, and when I was really deep into my, like, kind of spiritual phase, mm-hmm. I would think of it that way. I think well, it's true. I think that it's very likely, or or, or, or could be, uh, that you are breathing in the same oxygen atoms yeah. that, that Jesus did, or mm-hmm. that Marcus Aurelius did. Or that's That somebody is, mm-hmm. so why not me, yeah. you know, so... Um, I believe that, sure. And, and I used to look at it in a re- really, really poetic way uh, in that way. And now that I that – I, I, don't, I don't know that I look at it as majestically as I used to, mm-hmm. but I do see that, that you get to these stages of humanity. I think that we all get to these points um, at different levels and to different degrees, but you reach more of a, of a, of a stage, a, a frequency your life c- gets to that you're able to connect with this kind of ideology, um, and, and share it if, if you're honest enough to share it, Because mm-hmm. sometimes inspiration, motivation, that kind sometimes it's not so beautiful. Sometimes self-love isn't so beautiful. Sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a big kick in the ass. You know, it, it's, it's easy. I think it's easy to transition where you, what you don't like about how other people treat you. It's easy to figure that out. Then it's, well, it's kind of easy to figure that out. Then it takes a little more courage to, to recognize those boundaries. This is what I do not like, mm-hmm. and this is what I will not accept from other people. That takes a lot, a lot of courage. And then it takes a little bit of courage, wisdom, and self-reflection uh, to see where it is that you mistreat yourself. Like it, it, take, it takes a lot. If you spoke to most people the way you speak to yourself— you wouldn't have many friends if you judge people the way you judge yourself. If you let people down the way you let yourself down, break promises to yourself, uh, don't keep your own standards. If you were to uh, to disrespect someone else's health the way you disrespect mm-hmm. yours, like those type of things, I think you would um, you you would miss out on a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so looking at yourself that way, I think I think that takes some. Sometimes it's not the, the best. Sometimes it's not the best. I know, I know that in my life, and I've written about this in one of the books, something, uh, but I've written about this, like where how can you, the flaw in misery, you know, you, you, you reach a miserable state when you're, when other people aren't treating you the way you expect them to. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm nice to you. Why aren't you nice to me? And that kind of stuff. I'm keeping promises to you. Why aren't you keeping promises to me? And at some point in my life, you start realizing, wait a second, how, how can I expect you to keep promises to me if I can't even keep them to myself? How can I expect you to be faithful to me if I'm not being faithful to myself? Mm-hmm. If I'm not appreciating myself, how can I expect you to? And you start recognizing those things. And I think that that comes along the journey. Some people will hit that at, at 20 years old. And other people will hit it at 80. I, you know, I don't know that there's a specific rule for it, but there isn't a place that when you get to that point in your life and in, in, in your psyche and your spiritual journey, whatever you might call it, when you get to that point, you recognize it. And it's, um, it's eye-opening and sometimes painful and, and definitely not always. Self-love is not always so kind. Sometimes it's that kick in the ass.
1: You do have a lot of kick in the ass quotes where, you know, people love it and people hate it. And do you ever question, should I post this? Or the fact that you question if I should post this, you know, you have to post it.
0: Uh, I think that, yeah, I think that at at that time when when I was doing more of it, uh, yeah, I would say, oh, Mm -hmm. should I post this? Oh, he means you have (laughs) to post it. But now you guys do a great job of getting the stuff out there and and, uh, a lot of times it happens to go with the moods that you might be in you know a lot of Mm -hmm. people think that our stuff's a chronology (laughs) side note because i do sometimes see messages they're like hey there was one the other day that someone was like hey you used to be so much happier like your your quotes are so dark and, and it's whatever's going on in your life it's not it's not that so the our steve maraboli pages are me as a writer me as a speaker so it's a it's a highlight of things I've said and things I've written. It's not necessarily a chronology. Sometimes mm-hmm. it seems that way because woven in there is like a picture from today or mm-hmm. you know something yeah. like that. But the picture from today uh, might be sh- the next thing shared is something that we all agreed with sharing. You know, sometimes we will come up, we'll have a whole week's worth of what's being posted during the week, and it's not in any particular order. So a picture from me speaking today. Uh, might be followed a few hours later by something i wrote when i was 20. Yeah. might be followed by something a couple hours after that, yeah. something i wrote when i was 35. Mm-hmm. Like so it's it's not really a chronology. It's 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 um it's a it's a business page in that sense where it's 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 highlighting my day-to-day work life mixed in with things i've written throughout. And it's, sometimes that can be confusing for people because most people who aren't creating business pages like that or, or public profile pages, they're just using their social media as their mm-hmm. social media. Like, hey, this is me today. I'm yeah. at the market. I'm with my, my kids. I'm doing mm-hmm. whatever. So they don't realize that it's easier when it's a product. So if like a fast food restaurant has an Instagram page, they're posting pictures of their food and the mm-hmm. things that they do and any maybe charity events they're doing and something like that. So it's easy to see because it's a it's a restaurant or it's a product. Ours is that except for I'm a person, yeah. but we're still posting something. You know, if Burger King's posting the Whopper, you don't think they mm-hmm. invented the Whopper yesterday, right? You know, it's they they did a Whopper and they've had that since forever. <laughs> And the next thing is the super chicken, you know, crispy chicken or whatever. Yeah. That's something that might be new. Yeah. And then in between there, they have french fries that have been mm-hmm. forever. Like, it's it's kind of like that. So thank you to the people who do reach out and say, hey, are you going through something? No. <laughs> One of these two might be going through something.
1: <laughs> I pay attention to the comments a lot. And if I see some comments on a post that say, well, how do I let go? I might post something a couple hours later right. about letting go of Whatever it is. I, I try to gauge that right. on what people want and sometimes Sometimes you're just feeling through, something, right? Sometimes the going through something posts to get better shares. Well, because
0: most people it well, what happens is it resonates. So, yeah. so if if you're not going through something and mm-hmm. you read a going through something thing, you're like, Oh, okay, that's cool or you see something motivational inspirational, say, Hey, well, cool, that's yeah. that's inspiring. When you're going through something and you read a going through something post, you want to tell everybody. Yeah. So that does kind of grow a page. So sometimes the page could seem a little, a little uh, uh, Alanis Morissetti, right? <laughs> a little dark, a, <laughs> little, do. Do. a little needy, a little pain or something like that. And, and of course, well, those are probably the moments I've grown the most are those posts. Um, And so th- it probably has a bigger reaction that way. So sometimes it may seem that, but it's not that I'm going through it now. It's that I went through it, but not necessarily now. So I do appreciate people who reach out, but the pages aren't really a chronology, which is kind of confusing because sometimes... <laughs> this is actually me today, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or it'll be a picture and I'll, and I'll see it on there. I'm like, wow, we took that picture this morning and it's already up there. So sometimes it is, it is, uh, you know, minutes or hours, other times it might be decades and, and that's, that's just what our page is. So, um, but as far as posting the stuff, it's there, it's real, it's true. And I have to be comfortable with it because at some point in time, it's what I felt. Or it's felt what I felt like writing, and so um, yeah. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but especially the older stuff. Some of the st- older stuff it, it makes me cringe sometimes. But I, <laughs> but I do remember feeling it, and I do remember going through it, even if I've, I had grown past it or healed from it. it sometimes it's it's kind of raw. Yeah, but- I was just thinking that when you look at old quotes like that, do you ever think back and be like, what? I don't even remember the mindset I was in when I came up with that type of thing. Rarely that. Sometimes I will I can kind of imagine where, because it's sometimes, because I have the big picture. So sometimes I'll look and say, oh, wow, that's when, that's the early seeds of what I ended up calling the four pillars of success. Like, oh, that's me figuring out intention action, you know, kind of putting it together. So I'll remember that. Ooh. There are other ones that I wrote when I was 19 that, if i read them today i can like smell the air when i wrote it like i go back to it in a second it's like painful and i remember it and i could read some of the stuff and it can make me cry at at 43 years old something i wrote when i was 19 can make me cry and i'll smell it i'll feel it i'll like and then other stuff i'm kind of like yeah yeah i think i I can remember us probably after i saw this or read this, I was probably, this is probably an off the cuff thought or something like that. But yeah, some of that stuff I'm really connected to. Again, if you think about it, you're you're covering, you know, two decades, two and a half decades now. And, you know, while it's several books, com- you know, compared to the multitude of thoughts I've had in two and a half decades, it's it's a small percentage, but it's like the most raw emotions, the most raw emotions that I was able to feel like I adequately put on paper. So you're taking it from this thought or this feeling. Some feelings are really, really difficult. Sometimes I would read a thesaurus just so I can learn more words, so I can be more accurate in the description of the feeling I'm having. Because some words just don't cut it. You ever you ever feel something where, where something just doesn't cut it? You ever love somebody so much that the word love doesn't cut it? Like there's not, I, there's, I don't, there's, all I have is the word love, but I'm more than that you, (laughs) but I, I don't, there, that's what I'm stuck with. So a lot of really powerful, passionate in the positive or the negative feelings are like that. So I would learn words and actually it's a, it's a, there was a, uh, uh, chief master sergeant in the air force when I was 18 years old, I was already doing really well in the military. I was, I was, I was. Uh, what they call a shit hot airman. And you know, I was really doing really well and I kept being put up for these awards. And for these awards you go and you um you go up in, in front of a board, right? So in front of the board they you sit and they ask you questions. Right. So in sitting and asking you questions, you um you want to be able to answer. So the first time I went up on the board, I would They'd, they'd say simple things like you think you'd know how to answer. So I knew all my stuff. I knew the M16 rifle, back and forth, can put it, take it apart, put it together, blindfold it, dark, wild people making noise. It doesn't matter. I, that I could do in my sleep. Well. I knew how far it shot. I knew what I needed to adjust here. I, needed to, I, needed, I knew all my weapons. I knew all my post rules. I knew everything I needed to know about my job. I looked great in the blues. I was eighteen and fit and slim, and I—you put the service dress on me. I—it was amazing. I sat down, and the guy said, "So tell us about yourself." I was like, um, <laughs> "Well, what do you want to know? Like, I'm from New York, and I'm happy to be uh, in the Air Force." And oh no! So <laughs> the the chief was on the board, right? And mm-hmm. he said so that first one I lost. Or I lost out on whatever somebody did better than I did. And so the chief pulled me over. He says, listen, you're really young. We usually don't get young guys like you in front of us. This is what you got to do. First, never, ever not know how to answer. Tell us about yourself. You better have something to say. And what he was basically saying later on, we'll all know as like an elevator speech. But, mm, yeah. but he was basically saying that to me. You know, be able to say a few things about yourself, impressive, strong, have an answer to that. Uh, next, command this English language. He said, This English language is so great, so great that you can tell someone to go to hell in such a nice way. They look forward to the trip. <laughs> awesome. So he, so he said that to me, and he said, "Get a thesaurus." Get so I went and bought those little thesauruses, mm-hmm. like you know they had, they'd sell them yeah, they had for like, like a, a dollar at the checkout. Yeah, yeah. I bought one of those, and I bought some of you will remember these things existed. Maybe they still exist now as like a as like an old timer thing, but they were calendars, like little desk calendars that you rip off the page. Every day was a new word. Yeah. So that existed oh. back then. So. Every day was a new word, and you buy these little calendars, and so I bought one of those, and I didn't, I didn't care what the day, I didn't buy it for a calendar. I bought it for 365 <laughs> new words. And so between that thesaurus and the mm-hmm. calendar, I would bring that onto posts, because some posts were you basically just you know some posts were exciting and fun. Other times, especially as a new airman, some of my posts were like, "Hey, sit in this truck, this police truck." And stare at that fence for 12 hours Uh, let us make sure you let us know if someone's coming okay I know it's negative 50 degrees outside Uh. and nobody can be coming but we're sitting at the world's largest nuclear area so you stare at that fence tell us if anyone's coming for 12 hours side note cell phones don't exist Mm -hmm. side note Internet doesn't exist, mm-hmm. so you're just sitting there. Sometimes a, the truck would be one of the newer trucks, so they had mm-hmm. like AM radio. Huh? Yeah, so I'd Sometimes. be able to hear like, like CBS talk radio? news. Yeah, and so I'd be able to hear that. But that's most of hours. <laughs> yeah, most of the time there wasn't anything. So I would sneak on my little thesaurus and mm-hmm. my calendar, which was super unallowed, it was super what? unauthorized. I would have gotten in trouble. Um, but I couldn't just sit there. Mm-hmm. You go crazy sometimes. You're with someone else, and and if they're, you know, quote unquote cool, mm-hmm. that was great. You, you bullshit for twelve hours. You laugh. You learn about each other. You tell jokes. Sometimes they bring a deck of cards. You play mm-hmm. some cards or something like that. Other times, you might be with somebody who's just not that. Mm-hmm. They're from different areas of life than you, completely <laughs> different than you. They don't want to know you. You don't want to know them. You. All you both have in common is that if someone goes to that fence, you're both going to kill them. That's it. Jeez. That's it. And besides that, so I would pick up my little thesaurus and I would learn words and I would test myself like, okay, five different ways to say this, mm-hmm. five different ways to say that, like, and, and, and just work on words. And I, that came in really handy, not only for the boards, which I never lost a board again. Wow. And not only for the boards, but for, uh, writing having different ways to express yourself, But your ability to communicate your feelings is tremendous. It is absolutely tremendous. Your ability to, to convey to other people, uh, what you're feeling helps them, helps them understand what they're feeling in your same words. So it's, um, that was that was really really tremendous at that time, absolutely tremendous. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I was I was gonna say, in a world before podcasting, that must have sucked. But I guess you did take that situation and make the best of it. Well, that's all you could do in any situation. <laughs> that's all you could do. Again, we we as humans feel pain when we argue with reality. So that's really all you can do. And uh, again, for that time, which I would say sucked for a multitude of reasons, that part of my life was. Amazing and sucked, uh, but it it developed definitely who I am now. Without that, it, you you have no this version of me. Hmm.
1: Wow! Nice. I want to do that. That's cool. Uh, okay. So do you want to talk about some uh, people are loving the behavior stuff? Wanna I want to talk, wanna about, talk about
0: whatever it is Be- our <laughs> listeners, our readers want to talk okay. about. Okay,
1: so you were talking about the behaviors of others and what to look for and don't don't just don't just listen watch uh so i was thinking what about what are some behaviors of behaviors of misery you talk about the key to happiness the key what's the key oh, to like misery so like what's the key
0: to misery yeah well the key to misery
1: <laughs>
0: what's the key what's, to misery yeah um the the key to Happiness is to do kind things for others. Yeah. The key to misery is to expect them to be grateful. I think the key to misery is expectation. Remember what I just said a couple of minutes ago, we as humans feel pain when we argue with reality. Mm-hmm. I think that you you have to, one of the things I've learned and still continue to learn, is that you have to set a behavior for yourself and then also for so that's your output right okay. then you have to set a level of input for yourself also and that's something that i'm I'm still kind of learning because I know it with conversations so conversations are an energy exchange mm-hmm. And a lot of relationships are an energy exchange. So that means y- y- it's like imagine a bank account. So y- okay. you you want to put in more than you take out. yeah. Because if you put in more than you take out, then you have that, that plus in case of emergency, right? Mm-hmm. So in relationships, you have one-on-one relationships. You have if you're in a plus and a plus and a plus and a plus and you're putting in and putting in and putting in and it's great. So when an emergency or a relationship drama happens, you have that cushion, you have that cushion because you're in the plus. You're in the plus and, and so you can deal with that emergency. You ever have an emergency when you're broke? Yeah. yeah. That sucks, yeah. man. So imagine a relationship where you're just taking and taking and taking and you're in the negative and then shit happens. You got nothing left, I have nothing in me to navigate this. And so you learn that in relationships. When it comes to misery, I'm feeling like that that has to be the case as well. So the most miserable people I talk to and the times that I'm most miserable is when we set up an expectation that wasn't met. And I think that that is a key to misery. Expectation. Expectation is an unhealthy attachment to things that don't exist. An unhealthy attachment to to the actions or behaviors of someone or something that we don't control. Unhealthy attachment to something we don't control. Hey, I gave you this. Why didn't you say thank you and give me a big hug and appreciate it and, and mention me on social media? <laughs> Why didn't you? Right. Because you didn't. The reality is that you didn't. My pain comes from me thinking you should have. My expectation is causing my misery. Now, there are people who out there who say, well, they should have, they should have, they should have. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm talking about emotional self-defense. If you all can figure out how to get somebody to meet your expectations, then you teach me. But other than that, then I'm going to teach myself to minimize my expectations. Remember, it's about targets. As I get older, I'm starting to realize that things I learned when I was a kid were actually really good for the psychological defense as well. So when you go teach, let's let's say I, I went to the to the gym today, and there's Ray Longo mm-hmm. teaching somebody proper footwork. If I were to go to uh, to Jiu Jitsu, and there's Henzo Gracie teaching someone about about positioning and and about what they're both teaching. What they're both teaching is positioning to minimize targets. When I would work with the great Jenny Nadell, and she would say, "Yeah, you're hitting really hard and this is great, but just stand just way just a little bit." And I'm thinking, "Like why is she having me just pivot my body so slightly? It's just a small angle. It's not even a lot. Why is that such a big deal?" Well, what she'd say is, and then she'd stand in front of me and say, look what I'm doing right now. Now, look what happens if I turn my body just a little bit. Look, I've, I've minimized my target range a large amount just by doing this. So what our job is, is not only to, to participate in this battle, but it is to give our opponent as little target area as possible. Same thing. If I'm with Hensel Gracie or I'm with Fabio Quello, whatever I'm doing, and they're teaching, no, keep your elbows in. Why are you keeping your elbows in? Because every inch you move your elbow out exposes those elbows to a, a Matt Sarah type jujitsu guy ready to kamura you, ready mm-hmm. to take that arm and rip it right off. Got to keep your elbows in, and you keep your arm. Those little adjustments are all about minimizing targets. So what I learned in my life is to minimize targets. So when I tell stories about my mom who, when I tell her, hey, I have a great idea. I'm going to do this or that. And she go, oh, is you sure it's going to be okay? And she'd sell me all her fear and, right. oh, my God. And now I didn't think of any of that stuff until now. What did I end up doing? I ended up not telling her things. So I minimized the target. And I think the same comes with the expectation and that kind of stuff. Now I learned to, to give I learned to share. I learned to, to do that. And the less I expect, the more I'm happy. And I realize the more I expect back, the more... And, it, and you, can, you can martyr yourself all you want. So you can say, because believe me, I say and still do. I still fall into this. You could say, oh, I'm sorry. Am I bad, Steve? That I'm really good to all these people and none of them are good back to me? Should I, I should be the one to change? Yes, you should change, number one, to recognize that they're not good to you. Number two, once you recognize that as painful as it is, you have to start making adjustments. You have to. If you keep getting hit in the head with the idea that you're giving and not receiving, you're either going to drive yourself crazy or you're going to learn, okay, let me give without expectation, but at the same time, Let me pay attention to who in my life is in a negative balance. And why is that? Why is that? And make those adjustments. You have to do that for yourself. So yes, the key to happiness is to share, to be, to be the best version of yourself always. But the key to misery is to expect other people to be grateful. Expect them to behave in any particular way. And I think the key to liberation, to freedom, is to get rid of those people. I think that's what it is. I can't see any other way. I've never met anybody during any situation who said to me, you know what's really been great for me, Steve? Having a negative balance with somebody and keeping it. You know what's really been great? is just keep giving to the takers. We have that thing. You have to set boundaries, right? Yeah. Because givers have to set boundaries because takers rarely do. That's what it is. I've never met a giver who said, you know what's great? Takers. They just, they're the best <laughs> yeah. for me. Right. I feel healthiest yeah. when I feel used and unappreciated. Right. I've never heard that once. So uh, so yes, the key uh, step to misery is is expectation um, and the key to prolonged misery is to not do anything about that. We have this weird idea that that in an evolving, moving, rotating, changing, ever-changing life that anything needs to remain stagnant. It isn't. It isn't. That's why people come, people go, and you get comfortable with things. But sometimes we're comfortable with the wrong things. We have to recognize that stagnancy is not a part of our life. It's just not and that we have to learn to position that way or be stuck, as we're saying, in this key to to misery.
1: Ooh, love that. I'm going to get to some...
0: Feedback? Some
1: feedback. Let's
0: answer some questions. Uh, Feedback.
1: Some questions here in my notes. I hope you're
0: all enjoying this as Steph looks for her feedback. (laughs) Um, Again... Please let everybody know that we're doing this. If something I say inspires and empowers you, it's going to inspire and empower other people. Um, And I want to do this. I love doing this. And our Instagram and Twitter is Steve Maraboli. That's one word, Steve Maraboli. And our Facebook is author, Steve Maraboli. And I have begun. I was always doing it on Instagram, but now I have begun on Facebook as well, answering people's messages, their private messages. I'm doing it audio, so you'll probably get a voice message back. Awesome. Uh sometimes I'll type, but most part audio is so much easier for me. And uh and so please uh let everyone know. Also, only interact with the Steve Maraboli pages that have the blue verified check mark. We had someone else this week going after another people. <laughs> yeah, another one. There they're at least once or twice a week that and, and there are some pretty convincing ones. Uh, someone sent me uh, something. Uh, this week or it was last week, recently sent me something that they had. They were interacting with fake Steve, right? Yeah. First of all, fake Steve speaks broken English, which is crazy. Always. Yeah. So, but still, some people don't realize. So, fake Steve has like a picture of a fake my passport. Had a picture of a fake like my plane tickets no way. Yeah, so like fake Steve, whoever they are, they're like a machine and they they do put some time and effort into this. So you have to make sure 100% that you are talking to the Steve Maraboli page that has the blue verified checkmark and and uh and that's it. And I and I'm not I promise you there is not any day on earth I'm going to send you a picture of my passport nor a plane ticket. That's some wasted Photoshop. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing is, I don't know. Like, they can only take it so far, right? So they can't talk to you because if they talk to you on the phone or they talk to you on video, you're going to see right away, it's not me. But a small percentage, I mean, if they just get a small percentage to – to give them a, you know, the fifty dollar Amazon yeah. card or hundred dollars Amazon. If they get a small percentage, then sure, that, it's still gonna pick up some money, um, and so that's that to me yeah, is insane. So again, reiterating with all of you, make sure you are interacting with the blue verified checkmark page. Uh, that is the only me, and most likely I'm gonna speak to you through voice, so you will definitely know it's me.
1: If they are writing, if this. Fake Steve is writing you on Facebook Messenger. It will be connected to our official verified blue checkmark page. Steve's not going to be talking to you writing you on a a, a random messenger. Yeah, what
0: account. I just said. We're we're yeah. make sure you're talking to the blue verified checkmark. And I'm very rarely going I'm not going to initiate a conversation. I'm going to answer your question. So so when fake Steve is reaching out to people like, hey, it's Steve. This is my private page. That I, I don't have sure. time. I barely have time for lunch. I'm not going to reach <laughs> out to a complete stranger and say, hey, this is my private page. I will answer a question you've asked me or respond to a message you've sent to the blue verified yeah. checkmark yeah. page. But I'm not going to initiate a conversation with a complete stranger. I'm just not. Uh, I just don't have time. I'm sure you're all super nice. And I would love to get to meet all of you through the verified checkmark page. <laughs> uh, so just keep right. that in mind. What do you got, Steph?
1: All right. I have a... I, all right. So Cindy sent in an email. She says, Hi, Stephen, team. My four-year divorce anniversary is coming up this week. Whoop, whoop. I'm having a hard time moving on and letting go of the hurt and pain he caused me. But I think I'm ready to date again. How can I find love that I know I deserve? Thank you so much for your wisdom. Proud follower from Omaha, Nebraska.
0: First thing, thank you and congratulations, Cindy. If you're having trouble, a hard time moving on, letting go, of hurt, and pays that caused you you're, you're going to continue to have trouble as long as you look at it the same way you've always looked at it. So here's a little mind hack about letting go and moving on and, and something you can notice readily about the people who don't let go and move on. You can't, you, you want to, again, you argue with reality, right? Oh, he shouldn't have cheated on me. He shouldn't have yelled at me. He shouldn't have whatever XYZ reasoning. He shouldn't have blah, blah, blah. You're arguing with reality. He, he did do those things. So now you've set yourself up to a situation that unless you have a time machine and change it, you can't get past it. So we know that's not the way of letting go. Most people who are stuck, who can't let go, are just reliving the trauma, reliving it. I can't believe he did this. I can't believe she did this. Why did they do this? Why did she do this? Why did he do this? And you keep reliving it, which is why five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years go by and you're still angry and it's still raw to you because you haven't changed it. As long as you don't change it, it's never going to change. So letting go isn't about going to the past and changing the past. You cannot do that. Letting go is about looking at the past and changing the labels you place on it. That's what you have to do. Life is all about perspectives. Your agreement with reality defines your life. So life is about perspective. It's not what he did. It's a story about what he did that, that's hurting you. And so what you have to do is, again, recognize it doesn't mean that they didn't do something shitty. It just means that you have to have what I consider a funeral for that relationship, a funeral for that event and say, "Okay, this is what they did. This is how it hurt me. This is what I've learned since. This is how it freed me. A lot of times you can change. You didn't break my heart until you freed it. You freed my heart. A lot of times we do that. It's not that they cheat on you. is that that was the moment you uncovered they were cheating on you. And the whole time you were in something, something unhealthy. And that that was the moment that you broke free. But you're looking at it as that was the moment that your heart broke. When in fact that was the moment that your heart broke free. And so you have to recognize that. Be able to look back onto it and, and give it a different meaning. And so when we did, we were doing charity for when Katrina hit uh, New Orleans went down there, and uh, it's so interesting how there was this old story about perspective. Mm. I don't know where I read it. I don't know what or, where I read it, but it would. The story was, and and I used to use this as part of your agreement with reality to find your life talk, right? Mm. And I would say that there, the story goes there was these two stone cutters. Let's put them back, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Uh, two stone cutters, and their jobs were to take boulders and and cut them into blocks, right? Both have the same job, both right next to each other, chisel, hammer, and chisel, going away <laughs> at this job. One of them is miserable as can be, and say, "Hey, what are you doing? My job's to turn this boulder into a block, right?" <laughs> and the other one next to him doing the same exact job is whistling away while he chisels away, and saying, "What are you doing?" He said, "I'm on a team that's building a cathedral." Oh, per- perspective awesome. is everything. So perspective is everything. So you have to look back at those events. You have no power over those events. That sucks. But here's the genius of this universal order. You have 100% of the power on the labels you place on those events. So when we went to Katrina, devastated, 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 and you would go back a year, two years later, Two years later, talking to the same people who lost their homes, lost everything. One person next to the other person. Their houses, devastating. Same neighborhood, same area, same block. Houses next to each other. You go to one of them two years later and you say, how's it going, man? (sighs) That Katrina just ruined my life. That was it. Took my house and now it's just it. Now I just wait, hope for the food supply to come and just still waiting here. Still doing it, man. Still just waiting that that damn storm the people who lost their house next door not a different area not a different street not a different block next door neighbor lost their house the same and you talk to them and they are doing well they are they are prospering and you say and they'll say to you if it hadn't been for the storm i would have never been forced to get my kids out of that neighborhood If it hadn't been for the storm, I would have never been forced to go back to school. I would have never been forced to take that second job. I would have never been forced to really, really struggle to get myself to where I am right now. Had it not been for that storm, I would still be stuck in that rut. Wow. Same storm. Different perspectives. I love that. And so you have to look back at those moments. Remember what I was saying to you before. I could have still been stuck at 19. Stuck at 20, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: talking about the miserable part of my life. Or I could say what I said before, which was, had it not been for that, I literally said this before, had it not been for that, you all would not be listening to this version of me.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Had it not been for what I would think was some of the most miserable times of my life, there wouldn't be literally millions and millions of people who have been impacted and, and, and inspired and empowered by my, my work, my thoughts, my everything, had it not been for that stuff. That's well, incredible.
1: That's really beautiful, strengthened by
0: the struggle. Strengthened <laughs> by the struggle. And again, for someone like Cindy, if you're waiting for the pain of that to go away, you will not have it go away. Because thinking about what you're saying, I'm waiting for the pain of betrayal and heartache and horror to go away. Well, betrayal, heartache, and horror never go away. <laughs> so that's as long as you're labeling it that, it's not going to go away. And I promise you, new guy is going to smell it from a thousand miles away. Hmm. He's going to smell it from a thousand miles away, and you're going to you're going to poison you're going to you're going to poison your new relationship with your last relationship's nonsense. The guy's going to smell it from a 1,000 miles away. You're going to say something bitter. You're going to say something that's not letting go. You're going to say, and and the guy, if he's the guy you want, this is a painful truth I have to tell my sisters sometimes. (laughs) I love you all, and I've said this to many of you uh, while on a stage and while off a stage, and it's it's one of those self-love things that kind of kick you in the ass sometimes, but I love you enough to be honest with you when I tell you When you're holding on to this bitter resentment, when you're holding on to it like that, and you're saying you're waiting for the guy you deserve, if you're holding on to that bitterly, the guy you deserve isn't looking for someone like that. He's not looking for someone like that. And he might be the right guy for you. You're not the right person for that guy. That guy isn't looking for that. That guy is not looking to pay the emotional debt someone else incurred. He's not. And I know that we have those things. We have those ideas. And and where we say, you know, you you want a relationship in which someone's going to not run away from your baggage but help you unpack. And that's Mm -hmm. beautiful and that's poetic. But to a degree... I want to experience it with you. See how you two are experiencing my past with me?
1: Yeah.
0: You're experiencing my past with me, but I'm not making you pay for my past. Now I have a lot of guy friends and I have a lot of girlfriends and I see this a lot. I'm not pulling this out of my ass. I have bunch with a bunch of really good dudes. There are some good dudes out there and I know a lot of really good dudes who have gone out with a lot of really good chicks who the flags that these dudes have is listen. She's cool. She's blah, 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 But she like keeps looking at my phone. Like, like what's that? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry this last dude cheated on you. But why are you looking at my phone? I didn't cheat mm-hmm. on you. And that's super weird, man. Like, like, you're looking for something to be mad at. Mm-hmm. Or you're skeptical when I say something. Like, dude, I'm sorry that that dude did that. I really am. But I got to. I gotta not be worried about that. Like I, I, I gotta not be worried about that. And and I know for myself when I hear those type of things, it is not. It, it, it's Cindy. It is not something that the guy you're looking for is going to be enthusiastic about. His language might not change. Don't forget, <laughs> his language might not change. He might act like he's all in, but I'm telling you, I promise you uh, that. Uh, his his mindset changed, even though his language didn't. He's not looking for that. And so uh, for me, if you're having a hard time moving on and letting go of the hurt and pain, then recognize, you think you're ready to date again, recognize that just because you are available for a relationship does not necessarily mean you are ready for one. I would say sort through those feelings first. Sort through that, so that they don't become they become flags instead of pain so when when I see someone who who displays a behavior that I don't appreciate or that reminds me of a past behavior I don't like, then it's a flag. I'm not making them pay for that for for my past heartaches and betrayals, but note taken note taken, and so. So just recognize that, Cindy. It's a it's, uh, Give yourself a little more time and practice what I asked. Take a look at those events. Take a look at those experiences and see how you can relabel them. See how many times it is that when people actually backstab us, they're actually cutting us free from their nonsense. Look at it as a time for liberating, that you're not still at this moment stuck in that, that craziness and drama, that you're free. And look at it as that, that message in the mess. And when you're able to see it like that, when you're able to see yourself strengthened by that struggle, then you're able to bring strength into a new relationship instead of weakness and poison.
1: Thanks for writing in, Cindy. We have, um, all right, so sometimes you have to unfollow people in real life. I love that we post that often. A uh, great commented on it and said, "I struggle cutting people from my life. I even chase after the toxic people."
0: All right. Well, then listen, if you keep drinking and getting drunk, don't complain that you get hungover. Like that's that that's you you're pointing out what your issue is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so What we don't recognize is that we get, and I think we've written, I've written somewhere that it's a, it's a shame that we get addicted to to the way that some people abuse us. Yeah. Now the difference is, don't forget, we are walking bags of chemicals. So the reason why you have that chemical connection with someone and that spark and that, that feeling for them is because they create a chemical reaction in you that you become addicted to. I love the way I feel when XYZ person's around. That's an addiction. That's what it is. So when we're absent that addiction, when it's an actual chemical, like a drug, a narcotic, a drug, we, we call it withdrawals,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. So we recognize, oh, that's it. Just got to let them there. They're going to withdraw. They're going to be miserable for about a week or so. We just gotta, they're going to get the sweats. They're going to cry. They're going to laugh. They're going to be on the floor. They're going to be standing up. They're going to go jogging. They're going to lay down in the fetal position. All this weird shit's going to happen while they have this detox, this withdrawal from this chemical. But because we're humans and we don't see ourselves as walking bags of chemicals, <laughs> we don't call it a withdrawal when we miss someone. We call it missing them. Oh. Well, a meth addict misses meth. Yeah. We just call it a withdrawal. <laughs>
1: right.
0: But when humans when 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 XYZ, even though XYZ when I'm with XYZ, I feel a amazing and blissful and and goosebumps and happy and like it's a it's a it's a miracle and it's beautiful i'm in heaven i'm in paradise and when they're gone or when they're angry at me and i'm disconnected it just hurts and it's painful and it sucks and i'm what's life about and i'm sweating (laughs) and i'm worried they're identical yeah it's identical and even though when i'm with xyz it's amazing it's feeling it's ruining my fucking life But I miss them.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Right? Well, that's, that's what a person would say about meth. Like, meth makes me feel amazing. It's ruining my fucking life. Yeah. Right. But I miss it. But we just know that. No, you're having withdrawals, dude. <laughs> of course you miss it. It's, it's meth. You're having withdrawals. It's got its hooks in you, man. Mm-hmm. You just got to wait it out, put them in a room, put them in a padded room for a week. You know? <laughs> you know. And we know, like, we just got uh, the people around you love you, and it's like, hey, we're just going to be here. It's gonna be shitty. You're gonna say mean things. You're gonna, mm-hmm. Like you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go through this, but we don't see it that way when it comes to people. Even though it is behaviorally and and mechanically identical, it's just we see it differently because it's a person. And so um, I get what you're saying. I'm, I forgot what the person's name was, and I'm really sorry. But Gray. Gray. So I get that, and it sucks, and and I can identify that you can you have trouble cutting out the toxic people there are a lot of people who are addicts who are like dude this drug's killing me man i just can't stop there are food addicts food's killing me man i just can't stop there there are people addicts those people are bad for me i just can't stop <laughs> you're you're not alone gray unfortunately there is no easy button there is a behavioral change that has to take place and it's going to suck like having the worst flu you've ever had. It's going to suck and you're going to be sad and it's going to be. But one day you're going to start feeling a little better and then a little better and then a little better. <laughs> and then you're going to get addicted to someone else. <laughs> and hopefully they are healthier for you. And that's the, pretty much the cycle of humanity. Yes. <laughs> and that's just how that goes. And, and so I understand it. But the fact that you pointed out helps that some days you're going to have to step back and no matter how badly you want to do it, no matter how badly you want to connect with them, no matter how badly you think they can be better for you, you just have to come to terms with the fact they're not. And if they were, they would, would have already been. So good luck with that. Wishing you strength and more importantly, wishing you a good plan and and the courage to stick to it.
1: Do you want to address the people who I have been writing in about the parenting in the park that you brought up?
0: The parenting in the park. If you can refresh my memory, I would love to bring it up. All right.
1: So a few shows ago. they want to hear
0: it, I want to bring it up, but I'm not sure I know what you're talking about.
1: Okay. So a few shows ago, you were talking about how people, parents go to the park with their kids, but they're not actually at the park with their kids. They're on the phone at the park. With our
0: kids. Oh, like social media posts? Was yeah. that one of my rants on social mm-hmm. media yeah. stuff? Yeah. Okay. So, what was the problem?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did I say something that was a problem for somebody? How rare? Yeah. Maybe Did I point like, something out <laughs> to somebody and yeah. they, I showed them the mirror and they start <laughs> lo- they start yelling at the mirror? Stop yelling at the mirror! All right. Sorry. Go ahead. So, was that <laughs> no, basically on. it? Was That's it.
1: Yeah. That on. was
0: that mm-hmm. was that was people. So, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I love you all. I love you all enough to be honest with you. I love you all enough to call it as I see it. I could be wrong, but you wouldn't be angry if you thought I was. You wouldn't be angry if I thought I was. And I'm not here. Here's the thing. I, I'm not here. I'm not here to be your guru. I'm not here to be your spiritual whatever who just tells you nonsense and no matter what you do is beautiful and all according to the Universal's plan and send me money. I'm not that. I'm here to tell you that we are, we, all of us, are evolving, refining, improving, enhancing. And the actions we take today impact tomorrow, especially when it comes for, 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 for children, when it comes for our uh, cultures and societies and that kind of stuff. And the thing that I was pointing out at that time was social media, mm-hmm. where I go to any event that I go to, even when I'm speaking, I have 200 phones pointed at me and maybe one person's actually looking, but they're looking through the phone and recording. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, it, It's so crazy to me to go out to dinner. And again, 100% of everything I eat is out. I I eat 100% non-home cooked meals. So I am at every restaurant in every city I go to. I eat out everywhere. And very rarely do I see two people sitting and enjoying each other. You brought up kids. Even less even less likely, are, is it a parent paying attention to a kid or a kid paying attention to a parent? More often, you see a parent on the phone and the kid on some sort of phone or contraption or both parents not looking at each other or the kid or anyone else. And there's three people at the table, four people at the table, and four individuals at the table, even though you're all related, went out to breakfast, lunch, or dinner together, none of you are actually there with each other. <laughs> So, I was pointing that out. Now, I know that that hits people sometimes wrong because they'll sound like I'm being a judgy person. I'm not. I'm being an observational person. That cannot be helpful. And you cannot tell me that improves your relationship with those people next to you. Social media, the internet, and text messages, all that stuff, cell phones, definitely bring the whole world closer to you, but sometimes distances us from the people right next to us as taken by watching a family of four sit there all four staring at some sort of contraption and not talking to each other if you can tell me that that somehow brings all of you closer way to go I don't think it does and so my point of telling that isn't to make you mad but I'm not here to say things to make you feel better I'm saying things to help you to help all of us be better, not to make you feel better, but to help us be better. So, so look at your phone now and, and how much time you spend on it connected to the people on it com- compared to the people you connect with around you. So think about how much time you spend looking at your phone connected to the people you went to school with and whoever else you, you do your, your, uh, social media with and texting with. Compare how much time you spend with them. And you can look at it now, right? It tells you how much time you spend on each thing. Mm -hmm. Compare that to the amount of time. Did you give your partner, your spouse, your kids that same amount of undivided attention? If you can say, yes, you know you're bullshitting. That cannot be helpful. It can't be. So you can be mad at it. I, I, you don't even, I don't know you. You don't know me. Don't be mad at it. If that bothers you, then adjust it. If you think, no, I can look at my phone twice as much as I look at my kid or talk to my kid (laughs) and spend undivided attention Mm -hmm. on my phone and all that stuff, I can do that and still have a great relationship. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying I don't think you can. (laughs) I'm just saying that that becomes a really big challenge. And, and, and are, are you paying attention to Your kids with the same enthusiasm that you look at your phone, replying with the same enthusiasm. I think the answer is no, and I think it based on the fact that all I do is watch people in these scenarios. And I'll watch parents talking to a kid. The kid's talking while the parent is scrolling on their phone. While the kid's talking. Where else would you accept this? No, I'm listening. No, I'm listening. I hear you. I'm just looking at this real quick. I hear you imagine you mm-hmm. went to your doctor and you and you go to start talking to your doctor and while you're talking your doctor picks up his phone and starts scrolling and says no i hear you go ahead i, I, I hear you i just want to see this thing real quick would you no. think the doctor gives a shit about what you're saying no no so then why do you think that they would children would get think or your partner would think you give a shit If you wouldn't accept that from anyone else, you would never believe the doctor is paying the amount of attention to you he should be. But you'll do that to the people around you. You can be mad at me for that. Are you mad at me for the fact that you know what I just said is true? Then you're just mad. Then just keep (laughs) your behaviors. But I don't think that that's the case. So, So without feeling judged, you're not good or bad. Just identify and adjust. The truth is, if you're posting everything and this is this is for the people out there who are on the fence right now who are angry that i'm saying this kind of shit if you are posting everything you do with your kids and everything you do with your with your significant other on social media then you're not parenting you're performing you're making it a, and aside from that you're making a difficult case to your kids to not share everything on social media.
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, kids, be careful what you share on social media. Really? Because cause we can't eat a meal without you posting that shit on there. Yeah. But, hey, kids, your value isn't based on likes. It's, it's not based on likes. Really? Because we've been at the dinner table for one minute, and you've already looked at your Facebook 12 times mm-hmm. about the meal we're about to have. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're telling me, kids are natural bullshit detectors, right? So what you're telling me is everyone's opinion's not important. Your value isn't based on social media. Your value isn't based on likes. Your value isn't based on this. You should be careful what you share because there's bad people out there. Be careful what you share on social media. Really? You just shared our food. <laughs> <laughs> you share our house. When we go to the park, it's just supposed to be me and you, but you invite 300 complete strangers Mm -hmm. and share a picture and then keep staring at it to make sure uh, Susie and John liked it Mm -hmm. so that they can see that I do things too? You have to pay attention to that. There's no way. There's no way that that isn't impacting kids in a negative way. There's no way that that isn't impacting your relationship in a negative way. And once again, without being angry at me, would it impact your relationship with your doctor if he behaved the way that you do? Yes, it would. So don't expect it to not not be that way with other people. And this is something I learned. I used to be like that too. And I eventually learned like, oh shit, like something awesome's about to happen and all I want to do is report it like I'm the New York Times. <laughs> I want to report it to people that I don't even, people I knew years ago. I don't even know these people. There's five people I know. The rest of them I just knew years ago. I probably wouldn't like you if I knew you now. <laughs> you probably wouldn't like me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I have 99% people who I'm quote-unquote friends with, who are friends with an outdated version of me, and here I am experiencing beautiful moments in my life and cutting it short so I can tell them about it, Who, side note, (laughs) don't give a shit. They don't care. You don't scroll through your social media stuff like, oh, wow, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. You don't do that. You kind of just scroll, and you do the LOL, but you're not laughing out loud. You're doing LOL, (laughs) straight-faced that's what everyone's mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. And so the people who are getting angry at that stuff could get angry at it. If it hits you and you're responding with anger, it means I touched something. Yeah. <laughs> it
1: means I touched like something.
0: So pay attention to that. I don't know you and this isn't personal for you. This is just what I'm seeing. Just what I'm seeing. And we talk about healthy attachments and attachments and that kind of stuff and you when you want to you want to Uh, keep marriages and relationships safe, and I can go on and on about this and drive everybody crazy and say things like, since you guys brought it up, I think I'll continue on and drive people crazy. (laughs) When you're sitting across from your partner and you guys are staring at the phone, or your partner is trying to tell you something while you're staring at the phone and trying to share their life and share, and you're not listening, you're looking at the phone. Don't get mad when somebody listens. Don't get mad when they feel heard by someone else when every opportunity you had to hear them, you were staring at your phone. Our our emails are breaking right now. That's what happens. Don't get mad when the people you're trying to influence, like children, start acting a different way because they connected with a group or a person who's actually paying attention to them you give other people power by doing that we all know that we all know what do we say what, what do you say uh, Chris people who are young and dynamic like you you know who had daddy issues you know who had the parent issues yeah, you, you know right who's away. you know who's needy and why you know it we know it instinctively we know it So we're creating a whole generation of adults and kids who are going to have access to everything in the world but aren't sure how to navigate intimate, close relationships. So they will be easily, easily drawn to numerous different things. Or we can put down the phones for a little bit, put it down for a little bit and have a conversation communicate and sit i love when i get to sit with somebody you won't see my phone i sit down and i talk and listen and can i tell you they grab their phone you, you've 99 percent lost me yeah. I'm, I'm i'm looking to slowly gracefully exit this conversation and i'm out if you stare at your phone while you're talking to me it's over i don't know what you're interested in but i know it's not me just like if it's my doctor. If you start looking at your phone, you can't possibly be serious. And so again, being having been guilty of everything I've just said, I made the adjustment and it's incredibly enriching. And moreover, I just see it. I see it and I and I see what I see what it's doing. And when you're seeing a I mean, there's so many studies coming out now. Um, uh, middle middle school age girls and you're seeing these teenage girls mostly with girls but you're seeing this these increase in depression and increase in social pressures and increase in social depressing coming from these social media things and attachment to you know how i have that one thing where you you give them the power to feed you you give them the power Mm -hmm. to starve you social media is that
1: yeah yeah, it is that
0: and 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 not everyone has a platform like I do and not everyone has that disconnect from you know just this little group of people I'm with different people every mm-hmm. single day some people do are 12 13 14, 15 years old and they're in a school and that's their world those couple hundred people are that's their that's world it. yeah so if you get flipped in that world you don't get to go home at three o'clock and it's over you don't have to deal with it till tomorrow. That shit's 24 hours a day because social media, yeah. And that's it. And then when they see, when they get home, and they they're telling you how how what a hard time they're having with this, and you say, okay, I'm listening, but you're staring at your phone in your little circle, like that's I can see it. Like, and and it's not pointing fingers or anything. It's just again stepping back behaviorally, like, hey, what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here? You can have both. You can have both, but let's not make the connection to our outside area more intimate and powerful than our connection to the inside. Let's just not let's just not do that.
1: Yeah. Speechless stuff. You
0: just you're just there. Did I did I answer what you were going to ask? Because I know I kinda Yeah, I
1: really love that. I hope that people can hear that and and you can listen to this and nobody's Nobody's judging you,
0: nobody's judging you i, I to you and and if, to this. and if this if it's something that hurts your feelings a little bit, I hope it hurts your feelings a lot. I hope it hurts your feelings enough for you to change something. Don't be mad at me. Just recognize it. I'm telling you this out of love. It's yeah. like that that story I tell about my brother with the shirt. so for those of you who haven't heard this story, I say that i I really appreciate when people are honest with me like that, so. Uh, A story goes that my mom was sick with, for those of you who don't know, my mom passed away of cancer at the young age of 57. And Mm -hmm. for the last year of her life, she spent a lot of it in the hospital. And i fortunate enough to spend a lot of that time with her. And so the hospital, which I would eat at because I'd spend the whole day with my mom, I would eat at the hospital. And they had healthy choices, Chris. However, (laughs) I had the broccoli cheese soup. There was like a Panera inside the hospital or something like that. And I'd have their broccoli cheese soup. So I'd have this little broccoli cheese soup every day. And it came with like your own little personal like garlic loaf of bread, like something ridiculous. There wasn't a drop of broccoli cheese soup (laughs) left nor a crumb (laughs) of the garlic bread every day just eating it, right? So mom passes away, mm-hmm. and now I got to go speak at her her uh, uh, service and, of course, wear a suit. I got mm-hmm. a great collection of suits that I usually look amazing <laughs> in. But, however, for the year that I spent at the hospital with my mom eating broccoli cheese soup, apparently my suits shrunk in the closet, so... <laughs> I put, Wait, what? So I put on yeah, they shrink what in the closet. I? I don't know. Yeah. Something, yeah, that it's a special thing. Special Something to do closet, with yeah. that, <laughs> with the m- Mercury and retrograde, man, shrink my suit. Daylight no, savings. Yeah, daylight savings. So so I'm putting on my shirt, right? And it was it was snug. It was like it was like pulling like you know, those shirts kinda of pull like if the if the buttons if the buttons could talk, they'd be like hey. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like the buttons were working really, really hard, and I I look at my brother because I know, like you know, but you're gonna ask anyway, and I look at my brother and I say, "Hey man," so, so anyways, (laughs) side note, never asked this question before and never since, but on this occasion, (laughs) I look at my brother and I say, "Hey man, does this shirt make me look fat?" No, and he says to me, "He says no, dude." The way you eat makes you look fat, <laughs> oh and so that—that that oh, is how I hope you all hear this. <laughs> like it, it's, I, I want it. If it hurts you a little bit, I want it mm-hmm. to hurt you enough into something positive. Yeah. yeah if okay. you want to prove me wrong, even even if you're like, ah, oh, that's Steve, I'm gonna prove him wrong. If you want to prove me wrong, then try it for the next month, I'm gonna pay more attention to my spouse, mm-hmm. I'm gonna pay more attention to my family who are come over, I'm gonna pay more attention to my kids, I'm gonna sit and listen to everybody and respond appropriately, not so much on my phone. And to prove me wrong, try that for a month and then tell me, look Steve, I did all that, now my relationships are worse.
1: <laughs> <Right>?
0: <laughs> if that's the occasion, if that's what you think. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go out to dinner with my family, with my spouse, with my date, I'm not gonna look at my phone, I'm just gonna engage, Eye contact and <laughs> conversation. I'm going to reply accordingly. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great conversation. I'll show Steve. <laughs> Even if you do that, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let it propel you into yes. uh, action. So, yeah. thanks for that feedback. For those of you who are angry, I love you all.
1: Yeah, we love you. Guys. So,
0: can I do a what most people don't know? Yeah.
1: Sure. Do now we. it's time for
0: <laughs> Hold on. Once, when, okay, ready? <laughs> I went Seinfeld. <laughs> it's time for what most people don't know. <laughs> you just, oh, just wait in there. All right, wait, let's see what you got here. What if
1: Jerry Seinfeld was your doctor <laughs> and he calls you with bad news? <laughs> there was the deal. Once What's this?
0: with all these cancers now? <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with this high blood pressure? <laughs> What's the deal with your life insurance policy? <laughs> All right. Wait, can yes. I do what, yes. what most people don't know? Yeah. What most people don't know. <laughs> um, is this true? I have what? to see if this is true. Most people know that when a tragedy slash death happens, names are not included in the media until the authorities are able to contact the family. But what most people don't know is that the policy was adopted February 2nd, 1959, the day the music died in Greenwich Village. Buddy Holly's pregnant wife heard the news on television that Buddy Holly had died in a plane crash and she suffered a miscarriage the following day, reportedly due to psychological trauma. In the months following the crash, authorities would would adopt a policy against releasing victims' names until after the families had been notified. Yeah. I think that's super interesting. It is. And if that's the reason. It
1: is the reason.
0: Wow. Yeah. All right. The day
1: the music died it was the it. day that you have to call the family members first. Before you See, and I it. would
0: think it would have something to do with, like, war or something like that. I would think so, too. But no, But it it's could not. be.
1: <laughs> Buddy Holly's death and his wife <laughs> All
0: right, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. It's interesting. What most people don't know, that might or may not be true. So,
1: <laughs> Well, I read it on the internet. Oh, it's so got to be true. It's <laughs> got to
0: be true. it um, Can I do the honeymoon then? Yeah. Most people know about weddings and the beautiful time that follows known as the honeymoon. The bliss of the honeymoon stage has been well understood and has even crossed into other parts of our culture when referencing a grace period. But what most people don't know is where this honeymoon idea originated. Long before the expensive trips and the relaxing vacations for a happily married couple, it was, ex- it was an accepted practice in Babylonia 4,000 years ago that for a month after the wedding, the bride's father would supply his son-in-law with all the mead he could drink. Mead is a honey beer, and because their calendar was lunar-based, this period was called the Honey Month or what would gradually transition into what we know today as the honeymoon. Oh, that's pretty moon. interesting. Is it because
1: they couldn't pronounce month that well? It was like honeymoon. Moon.
0: <laughs> when they it, tried to do it in English is what you're it,
1: And then it ended up being moon because just what the way people, people were What most people don't
0: know <laughs> is that 4,000 years ago in Babylonia, when they tried to say it in English, it became the honeymoon.
1: Yeah, well, what, what? never mind.
0: <laughs> You're the bad. I get just... it. Wait, do I do a... I know we're going. We're over an hour now, right? So do I do a uh, Steve Reed? Yeah. Story time with Steve. Story time <laughs> with Steve. I think we should just call it Steve Reed. No, I think it's called story time with Steve. I'll get it. By show number 800, I'll okay. do it. I'll hold you to okay, that. Okay, story time with Steve. And the reason we do story time with Steve is... For years, people have asked me to do audio versions of my book, which is kind of difficult because it's kind of just random thoughts with, with pieces. But what we will do on this show is every show that we remember, I will read one of the popular pieces from one of my books. And today's piece is on Steve Reeds, what was it?
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Wait, what is it? It's Steve Reed. Don't tell him.
1: No, don't, no, nobody tell him. <laughs> people what, are yelling
0: in their car. <laughs> what is? What's with all these segments? No, what's it called? Story. Steve Steve. Story time. With Steve. Oh, all right. Okay. And like now time for seconds. story time with Steve. And this is if you want to learn how to live, hang out with people who are dying. Now this is another one. That brings me back. I'm. These experiences are happening when I'm 22 mm-hmm. years old. A baby. If you, want to hang out, wait, wait, if you want to learn how to live, hang out with people who are dying. I have spent many years as a volunteer at a veterans' hospital, often spending the final days with our brothers and sisters who have served. I must say there is nobody as free as someone who is dying. Conversations are usually pure, uncensored truth from someone who has nothing to lose. I'm often asked how I have accomplished so much at a young age and how, to continue, how I continue to multitask between businesses and working passionately towards my dreams. My answer is that I've always learned how to effectively live from the advice of those who are dying. Even though the veterans I've sat with were different ages from different walks of life and the varying spiritual and religious backgrounds, they always gave a personal version of a common ideal, to live my life to the max. They fervently insist that I pursue my dreams, that I love unapologetically, that I forgive mercifully, that I share with others, that I take chances, that I accept my faults, that I find humor in life, that I stress less, that I give hugs, that I chase the girl of my dreams, that I leave work at the office, that I watch what I eat, that I respect others, that I learn and explore, that I appreciate what I have, that I live each day to its fullest. I remember one particular conversation that had a really deep impact on me. I was sitting with an older veteran. I had been visiting him for several months and had built a good rapport with him. The gentleman and I were speaking about life and the opportunities it gives us, and he said, when I was young, I thought I was invincible and that I would live forever. My ideas of living forever made me miss out on living each day. I didn't see or appreciate the opportunities I had. I kept postponing my own dreams because I felt I had an eternity to fulfill them. Now I realize I'm not invincible and I can't believe I talked myself out of living. I talked myself out of chasing my dreams. I'll never forget those words. I talked myself out of living. I talked myself out of chasing my dreams. I realized then that this man this former soldier, this former business dynamo, this dad, this grandpa, this withered man with his wrinkled hands and weathered face is me. He is all of us. We do that to ourselves all the time. How many times have you talked yourself out of living? How many times have you talked yourself out of taking a chance? How many times have you talked yourself out of chasing your dreams? How would your life be different if you stopped talking yourself out of living the life of your dreams? My life is a reflection of what I have learned from these transitioning souls. I'm aware that my time is limited. I'm aware that the moment is now. My moment to love, my moment to give, my moment to achieve, my moment to forgive, my moment to endeavor, my moment to follow my dreams, my moment is now. I refuse to live with the regret of gambling for tomorrow. I will not lay on my deathbed wondering what might have been. I will ride the waves of purpose and chance towards the wonderful splendor of my dreams. And at the end of my day, I will rest my head on the pillow of the day well lived and a life well ventured. Boom. Wow, that was beautiful. Hey, folks! I want to thank you all for listening. I want you to check out stevemariboli.com. Wait, no, stevemariboli.net and Steve Maraboli on Instagram, Steve Maraboli on Twitter, author Steve Maraboli on Facebook. Make sure you check the verified blue check mark. That is the only me. I used to m- make fun when they gave us the. Uh, Blue verified mm-hmm. check mark. I joked and I said, "Oh, look, Instagram has verified that I am me." <laughs> but now I know how important it yeah. was. So thank you to those, um, to those social media platforms that have verified me being me. Mm-hmm. And for most of you, I will, I will not message you and, and tell you, "Hey, hey, Susie in Oklahoma, I am going to be speaking somewhere and send me Amazon gift cards for tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going to happen. Yeah. If you message us through those pages, I'm going to get to the message. And I might, depending on what you write, I might just send a quick thanks, an exclamation or something like that. I might, You might get a voice memo, but it's not going to be uh, me trying to convince you to do something. And so figure out uh, that you're contacting and staying in contact with our official pages by the blue verified check marks. And make sure you, listen, we're on the same team and in this together, as Dr. King said we may have come on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. Let's participate with each other. Let's not be scared to be truthful with each other, to share love, to share uh, experiences, to share uh, life hacks and inspiration and motivation. And I appreciate that all of you share my words, that you read them, that you repost them, that you regram them, <laughs> that you tag each other, that you... Listen to this show, and if you love it, please give a five star rating and share it. Share it with at least a couple of people in your life. I bet you they'll like it too. Um, thank you both of you. Thank you, folks. This is the <laughs> Steve Maraboli podcast.
1: See you next time.
0: Boom.
1: <laughs>